Hi, it's Shelley Flett, and I'm so excited that you're joining me to listen to the Dynamic Leader podcast. The podcast is centered around my book, The Dynamic Leader, and includes reading of the chapters, along with interviews with leaders in a number of different industries. If you haven't already done so, I encourage you to get yourself a copy of The Dynamic Leader, either online through booktopia.com or at any good bookstore. I'm passionate about creating the next generation of dynamic leaders and sharing tools and experiences that can completely transform an individual, a team, or a whole organization. I ask that you listen with curiosity and be open to taking on different perspectives. I hope you enjoy. All right, welcome back to the Dynamic Leader Podcast. Today, we are going to talk about integrity and I've brought in an expert in integrity and leadership himself, Mr. Richard Farrelly. Thank you so much for joining me, Rich. Hi, Shelley. Thanks very much for uh, coming in and speaking to me. It's great fun. Yes. Um, now, just a question. How many podcasts have you been on? This is my absolute first. Absolutely yeah. awesome. I love that. Yeah. So um, there's a few people that I'm uh, interviewing who this is their maiden voyage of yeah. podcasts, but I guarantee you it probably won't be your last. Oh, I'm very excited about it. Thanks very much. <laughs> Um, so you are in a leadership role and you've been in a leadership role for how many years? I've uh, been in a leadership role for the, uh, the current um, levels probably uh, last two years, but a leadership role generally um, last 12, 13 years. Yeah, right. So managing, uh, managing and leading teams from four people through to 50 or 60 people. Yeah, right. Mm. And, and so over the last you know, decade or so, mm. uh, how have you seen leadership evolve? Uh, I've seen it uh, evolve to be more a people-focused leadership style. Um, we have um, really sort of evolved from uh, just telling people what to do to really just uh, wanting to really uh, engage with people uh, as a leader to really understand um, what they need to uh, do their work, but also understand them as people so that you can relate to them to get the best out of them. That's mm -hmm. what I'm finding is the most important um, the important thing about being uh, a leader, uh, I suppose, even in the last five or 10 years, is that you've really got to be more people focused to actually um, you get the best out of the people that are working for you. Mm. Mm. And do you think that is because there's um, more choice or there's more awareness um, within the workplace around what good leadership looks like? You know, with social media, it's um, nothing's really a secret or hidden any longer. Um, do you think do you think that's the reason why it's sort of transitioned? Because it used to be command and control. Mm. It, did, it did, and it's, um, I think a lot of people... Um, well, when I first started at as a leader, I was really just throwing the keys and said, there you go, go through your life. And I think that's how a lot of people uh, uh, first get their, get, or get their first experience at being a leader is uh, here, the key, here are the keys, um, see what you can do with them, don't crash it, um, and just bring it back in one piece. Mm. And uh, I think that's, that can be good in some regards, but it can certainly be... Um, be dangerous in a in, a, in a, um, a lot of situations. If someone's um, thrown the keys and then the keys are taken off them, as long as they're given an opportunity to reflect on what their learnings were, yeah, um, 
with uh, for, with with being able to manage a workload, with being able to um, manage people, and they can learn from those experiences um, and have a good leader or mentor to discuss it with. Then mm. I think they're actually on the right path. So, yeah. Did you have access to that? A good sort of mentor, or how did you find the pathway? Uh, it was interesting. The when I was first put in a leadership role, they um, said to me, oh, uh, or, or, or they said, oh, you, you lead from the front. And I actually had no idea what that meant. And I didn't actually know whether it was a good or a bad thing. So there was a sort of a little bit of um, um, Googling about what that actually meant. And what did come up out of curiosity? Uh, it was, it was a, a good and bad thing. And what always comes into mind is an image that, uh, sort of uh, often comes up in leadership conversations is about whether a, a leader is like standing there pulling the people up or whether they're behind pushing the people ah. um, up a mountain or along a path or whatever. And so it, I suppose leading it from the front um, could be a good thing, It's, uh, but it depends on how far you go ahead and, and you've done... Um, uh, Call it a, uh, a piece on going too far ahead yeah, as, Liz, a, as a leader. So Yeah, yeah um, that's the Liz Wiseman um, when she talks about accidental diminishers and yeah. a leader that goes too far ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, so the lead, once I've sort of understood, all right, leading from the front isn't actually a bad thing. You can either push from behind or lead from the front and pull them along. Um, I really just sort of uh, adapted um, to what I felt was the right thing for my people what uh, for, for, for my staff but what I found was I was still in the in the doing mode I was still not um, uh, I suppose uh, building the capability mm. of my people at all I was still uh, doing them right into the weeds um, it wasn't until I sort of matured and um, got a uh, got to understand that I need to step back and again, let my staff make mistakes, but give them the give them the allow them to be comfortable in making mistakes. So yeah, yeah, such a big component, isn't it? Is um, allowing the people around you that space to fail and mm. um, and the safety that kind of comes with that. Um, so you know, fast forwarding to where you are now um, as a leader. Mm. Do you still lead from the front or do you have you found the ability to do both? So lead from the front or lead from behind? Yeah, I've, I think um, I've found the ability to, to actually do both depending on the situation. Um, one thing that uh, was sort of really pointed out to me recently was to build capability rather than dependency. And so that's one thing I really sort of um, focus on is helping um, helping people understand where their strengths are and really working to their strengths, but also going, well, yes, we, we're not all perfect, so we mm. do have weaknesses and actually um, trying to, uh, I suppose, lift them up and go, right, how can, how, how can you build on those uh, weaknesses and how can we actually use your strengths to the best of, um, I suppose the teams or work units um, uh, benefit. So yeah, so it's been 
it's been really interesting de- developing and the awareness of leadership mm-hmm. um, in yeah the last five or ten years has just been through the roof like it really really has and mm. and people I think people really uh, really now understand or I won't say people a, a lot of people now understand what is required of a good leader it's just really sort of honing your skills to actually be that good leader yeah uh, yeah absolutely mm. and um so as, as a bit of a background to the audience we um, first met was it was it two years ago now yeah mid 2017 yeah yeah okay yeah um so a few years ago mm. uh and it was um during it was to do a, a diploma in coaching um yeah. and I understood why I was there, you know, running my own business. Um, I saw the benefits of having coaching certification and it allowed me to become um, ICF accredited. Uh, and then I saw you and I thought, huh, you're, you're employed and mm. still investing in something like this. Um, so, and I, I also um, did programs um, when I was working in the corporate environment but very much was around um, me taking the initiative to do that and that I saw the benefit for my own career as opposed to my organisation kind of saying, go and, and do it. Um, how much of your leadership development and evolution has come down to the proactiveness that you take mm. in developing yourself? Sorry, that was a really long way. No, 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 that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> no, I think um, the ongoing um, self-development and self-awareness as well is really, really important. Um, so I had, I've, I've probably, I think about since 2012, committed to once a year doing some qualification, um, whether that be a qualification in um, like a certificate four in workplace training assessment or whatever else, um, then I just committed, I'll do some qualification just to give me, it was two things, it was to keep my brain active, to meet uh, to meet other people, but also give myself, um, and this is a little bit selfish, to have a competitive advantage over other people that if I was applying for um, jobs anywhere. So to keep you employable? Yeah, really. Yeah, sounds smart. Yeah, that's right, mm. yeah. And but what I uh, what I discovered is that other people weren't doing that, um, and it, it it I just not I just found that um, I was actually getting that competitive advantage. I was actually really developing, and one of the things that I wanted to do was make sure I understood contemporary thinking in leadership or whatever I was um, whatever I was doing because. Often, uh, if you say, for example, finish a degree, you you almost your learning stops at that particular point. So if you don't keep yourself fresh, uh, you sort of tend to um, uh, lose that advantage that other people that, that other other people who are learning get. Yeah, so and and I find that um, continued learning and development and growth is about remaining relevant as well. Mm-hmm. Um, is that things outdate. And so, you know, what you learn in a university degree 20 years ago, I'm not going to say isn't, mm. but shouldn't be what we're learning today. Yeah. I mean, the 
sure there might be some fundamentals and foundations, but um, the environment around um, core knowledge has changed. Mm-hmm. And so how is it applicable? Um, so I think um, learning continually allows you to remain up to date mm-hmm. with what's current yeah. um, and essentially remain relevant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, and I have to agree with that. It's, um, it's just something that now is just uh, almost becomes part of your life. That you just go, well, that's what I'm going to do. It's not a huge impost on my time. I can make the time and make it work. Um, uh, as I think you've said to me, we'll have the same 24 hours, so we can all sort of just somehow build it into our life. So, mm. um, yeah, it's... Uh, the self development and um, is so important to mm. really reinforce the self awareness as well. I think so. Yeah, and and really good um, sort of transition you make on um, self awareness because the topic that we're talking about today is integrity, and I think that integrity has a lot to do with self awareness and um, and almost calling bullshit on the stories that we tell ourselves that potentially are not seen by anyone else but us Mm -hmm. um and so when i think about integrity um in the workplace and particularly for leaders i think about leaders who um who say one thing and and do something else so there's that but Mm. also leaders who commit to doing something and then not doing it and not because they had no intention of but because other things sort of get in the way Mm. um how do you how have you managed that component of leadership and, and making sure that you do always act with integrity um it's something that i've um only sort of introduced into my dialogue lately is that every contact leaves a trace and i love that it's one of my favorites <laughs> and so it's uh it's important that uh when you're dealing with uh with general uh, with the with the public, but also with your staff, that you're going to uh, when you engage with them and when you speak to them and when you promise them something and commit to doing something, then they're going to um, and you go and you follow through with that. They're going to remember that, but they'll conversely they'll also remember that you didn't do something that you committed to something and you didn't do something. So that's a that's a good um, a really good not really delicate balancing act if, if you like um, but it's how I get over that is really um, managing the expectations of the staff and the expectations upon myself if I, I I have to be true to myself that if I can't do something if I can't deliver then I've really got to say I can't do it or I can't deliver it um, and if I have promised something and I can't deliver it in the time frame I've uh, said I would, then really reassess those expectations and just build on, um, and just I suppose reset the expectations. And the you'll get, uh, or I find my staff are more receptive if I sit down with them and explain it, then I just push past on it or. Again, and, and you and you talk about in your book just so oh, I hope they don't notice if it's um, if 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 I don't say anything or don't look at them for a few weeks, it'll actually go away. <laughs> when in actual fact, they're they're thinking, oh, what a, the one, like this guy is an incompetent fool, and 
so setting those um, those expectations and constantly uh, having the conversations with the staff really um, can build the relationships um, with them and they yeah that's sort of really the, that's the re- it's reinforcing the positive relationships through even just having a coffee with them every day or having a conversation with them every day will really help you as a leader in the long run um, answer or better deal with those uh, broken promises because you're not very well yeah and I think I think that staff would see that as broken promises and I I often um, wonder how much uh, we're looking at our environment just through our single lens mm-hmm. uh, and that leaders have a risk of um, putting themselves in a bit of a bubble and expecting that everybody will understand and see the world the way that they do uh, and not necessarily step out of that bubble or, or their world and consider, well, how is how are other people seeing the world mm. and how do I fit into that? Mm. Um, and so while we may not see something as being really important and we might say, well, you know, they might, they won't notice or um, that that might be the one thing that's holding them together. That might mm. be the one thing that they're holding their hopes on. And I've seen this, mm. um, particularly where staff feel like they um, are not progressing and, and they feel a little bit um, stuck mm. that their leader um, offers to introduce them to someone or help them out in some way that they see as being that, you know, the seed that they can grab onto and, and move to the next stage. Mm. And because the importance of that is not fully recognized by the leader, mm. um, they don't prioritize it or they don't follow. So it's, you know, it, it's looking, it's understanding that even though it's not a, not necessarily a priority for mm. me at mm. the time that, um, and I might not see it as being important for the other person either, mm. that we don't know what's going on for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and I love the, the saying, you know, um, every contact leaves a trace because it can be the smallest things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that's, uh, again, that sort of, I don't know where I picked some of these things up from, um, but about closing the loop. Yeah. Um, and it's something that I really try to do, particularly in the last, say, 18 months, is if there is something, um, uh, one of my staff speaks to me and asks me to do something or I make a commitment about it, um, is, well, now that loop's open, there's actually, we've got to close that loop and actually make sure that everything's working and mm. that uh, we've finalised what we, what we need to do. So having that sort of just in uh, in the front of my mind that closing the loop is so important because really you've got a, got a loose end and it's going to hang over your head for, for a long, long time um, if you don't. And the the sense of relief when it's actually closed, mm. um, I, I, I really can't understate, and like especially for me, I just find that uh, once I've uh, answered a query or done what I promised I'm going to do, is you go, oh, that's... That's done. And it wasn't that hard. And it, I think there's some interesting research around that um, is that when uh, we when something's open in our mind, um, even though we're not consciously thinking about it, it chews up um, energy in the background. Mm. Uh, and there's actually been research done on that to um, you know, encourage people just close things off or 
if there's something that has been on your to-do list for too long, mm. uh, just erase it. If it's not, um, if it's not important and um, you haven't done it to date, yeah. then just take it off the list. Mm. And even when you decide, I'm actually not going to do that because it's not important to me and you cross it off, you immediately feel this relief and you get more energy. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, it's a thing. How did you have you have you ever said you're going to do something and then not done it and and what was the what was the fallout did anything happen or like did you ghost them or what what happened? Uh, oh look, I've I've certainly I've, I've, I'll be honest, I've done it uh, more times than I care to remember. Um, is I'm I'm not perfect and it's sort of part of the journey of becoming a leader going right. Um, so it has been a situation of yes i've ghosted yes i've ghosted ghosting is probably a great word actually <laughs> really really good but at the same time it's uh, it's really about acknowledging when it's almost like plucking up the courage to go look i haven't done what i said i was going to do and i'm really sorry and then, and the amount of times people go look that's okay and but at, but at the same time I've gone no it's not okay because I promised you something and I haven't delivered um, and that's sort of what eats me up inside the it's uh, I couldn't put a finger on whatever the term is there but they almost appreciate the fact that you have um, or that that I that I've acknowledged no it's not okay mm-hmm. and it is a really a learning experience to me everything that I um, Every day is really a learning experience for me. That's how I look at it. Ever mm. since ever since I met you from the time I started that course, everything is a learning experience. No matter how bad it is or how good it is, I, you just go, oh, I learned a lot from that. Mm. Um, and it's uh, it's really just something that I now just build into it going, look, I'm really sorry. And they go, no, that's okay. And I go, mm, no, it's not. And then actually try and rectify it. Yeah. Even, but even just to the point of just, but it really helps the relationship, like really helps the relationship. And that's really a lot of uh, what being a leader is, is yeah. the relationship as well. So. Absolutely. And, um, you know, integrity falls under the um, chapter around, you know, investing in relationships and how important relationships are for um, the successful team, ultimately. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so when we look at... Um, when we look at doing things or saying that we're going to do things um, and then not doing them, the key really is uh, acknowledging mm. um, and actually um, having the conversation with the other person and saying sorry. There are so many leaders that don't like to say sorry. Yeah, what's, I don't get that. What's yeah. that about? Yeah, I know. It's is, not hard. It's not hard. <laughs> well, but for some people it is. Mm. And, and I see it with my um, daughter, and my daughter's four. Yeah. Um, she will not say sorry. Uh, if and I'll rephrase that. She'll say sorry when it's on her terms. She will not say sorry if I tell her to say sorry. Yeah. And so I think there's this other. Um, I guess we've, we've got to understand the pressure that someone feels when they feel obligated to do something that is not their own decision. Yeah. Um, and so, if we can self-identify and then we can rectify the problem without having to be told you need to fix that, 
um, then it comes from a more sincere place and we're able to um, do it better. But for a four-year-old, I don't get why she has a problem with it. Yeah. Um, that being said, four-year-olds are capable of so much more than, <laughs> than I give them credit That's for. That's all right. They're most <laughs> she, she has recently learned to um, crack an egg in a bowl single-handedly without getting any shell in it. What? Yeah. So um, oh, wow. four-year-olds are capable of, um, yeah. of a whole lot more than we, <laughs> we think. Um, and uh, at the risk of sort of taking over this podcast, but you talked about sorry and mm. the amount of people that I find say sorry when there's nothing to be sorry about. Ah. Oh, I just... It's, uh, yes. I get the amount of times I'm telling people, even when they say an email, they go, I'm really sorry, and I get it right back in. Or even say, there's no need to be sorry about anything. Uh, yeah. And I don't understand where that comes from in people. I don't know whether it's upbringing or whether it's just trying to say sorry mm. because it's, um, I don't know, this is not what, what, what we're going to Oh, no. I, like, I sort of look at that and go, is that an avoidance of conflict? Before? Mm. Like, is it to mitigate any conflict or any potential conflict from arising mm. um, even though it doesn't what does that what does that do to the confidence that someone has in their own ability do you mm. think and 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 i i often wonder that and the first time i sort of really picked someone up on it was um oh this is uh, a couple of years 2017 and i just remember she was she was one of my managers and she kept on saying sort of sorry it was an open plan office and she would say sorry when sort of you know you just ask oh have you looked at this document or whatever she go, oh no i'm really sorry i haven't and sort of urgent about it and i stood up one day and i said just stop saying stop sorry and i'll pick her up on it every single time but i think it was something that around sort of self-confidence. I don't know much about her background, mm. her personal life or anything, but um, <clears throat> I took it to be a self-confidence thing. And like when I reflect on other people that have said sorry, like just kind of, and, and I, I mean, I, I, I certainly do it as well. And go, I think it's a self-confident thing in that a conflict avoidance, um, just getting in early and going, no, sorry. And, but I just, you know, sometimes there's no need to be sorry. What is the impact of that on how a um, team perceives their leader if they're using it all the time? Um, I hate to use the word weak, but it's not, no, it's not weak. No, no, it's not, I certainly take that back. It's, like, it's more But it could around, be perceived as it, that. It, it, it could be, and someone could exploit that. Yes. As, a, like, a... a um, team member might actually go oh well I can exploit that and uh, whereas other ones might see well they're not assured enough of the direction we're going um, and so but also some might think even further and go well what are they like with senior managers and reporting up and and are we missing the, are we missing bits of information as well mm. because they're not uh, confident enough to actually speak to management or get enough information? Are they constantly apologising for the work we're doing? And mm. um, yeah, so it's uh, it's the real, I don't know, a, a sorry is good, but when it's, uh, uh, it's, when there's too much of it, it can be a real sort of problem. And that is such a good point because 
I think anything that we do, if it's too much or if it's the wrong context, then it has the opposite mm. effect. Yeah. Um, and when when a leader, so a couple of things that I am sort of thinking through as you you were talking was when a leader says sorry too often and they overuse sorry, then it could create um, some. I don't know that distrust is the word, but it could create some um, disillusionment that a leader is capable of actually backing a team. Mm. If they're saying sorry to their team, and to your point, are they doing it to their managers and their stakeholders? Mm. Is that when they've got to go in and and back their team, Mm. are they simply apologizing Mm. instead of whatever the alternative is? That might be, um, you know, arguing the point if it if it's a point worth arguing mm. um it might be clarifying things where messages have been misunderstood uh is that if if sorry is the default there then their effectiveness as a leader in being able to support their team and and help them all to drive to the right outcome uh, is that it's just an overused word mm. that's right and it, and it loses its meaning and it loses its meaning yeah um, and the other thing uh, with the overuse of sorry is that it can cause the team to start to play the victim. Yeah. So if Richard is sorry for everything, then that presupposes that Shelley's not responsible for anything. Mm. And therefore, well, I'm just handing the control over to you. So does that then create an interdependence of me on you mm. over time? Mm. Yeah, that's... It's, uh, it's it's sort of really uh, interesting it, it, with the team and the um, that I was working with at the time like it's the, the sorry was it, w- it was interesting actually now now I reflect back on it the sorry was always to the team members but when this manager was in with other managers she was very strong mm. So it was really sort of strange. I don't know what... Uh, maybe it was a situation of she wanted her team to... Um, or she thought her team expected a lot more of her. Hmm. Um, but really, we didn't... I mean, we expected a lot of her. That was fine. But um, she was certainly going above and beyond as far as we were concerned. Hmm. But still, that um, feeling of being um, everything to everyone. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and sort of just really over, sort of. Um, I'm not overdoing it. No, no, not at all. No, it's just taking maybe taking a lot on. Yeah. Um, mm. And being in a it might have been a situation of being in a predominantly male occupation and trying to prove herself there yeah. as well but what was interesting she didn't need to because she'd already proved herself so there was she had so much to give and i think that's a really good lesson for any leaders who are listening mm. who might be trying to prove themselves where there's actually no need to mm, that's right yeah. yeah you've already got the she she already had the respect of the team everyone was a big fan so what is the alternative so if sorry has slipped into your dialogue and it becomes a bit of a default. Mm. And the other thing that I see becoming a default is that someone will answer and, you know, a leader will answer a question and then they'll give commentary. 
um, or they'll make a statement and they'll give commentary. So they'll give mm. way too much information about something. For example, um, when I uh, had kids and was no longer able to work 12, 13 hour days, yeah. uh, I needed to leave the office by 4.30. Yeah. Uh, what I was doing was getting in at 7 o'clock in the morning. Mm. And yet at 4.30, I'd pick my things up and I'd head out of the office and I would tell everybody that I was leaving for the day and I would give all the reasons why I was leaving for the yeah. day. Yeah. I'm leaving for the day, I've got to get to daycare and pick the kids up and then get them bath and home for dinner and I, I only see them an hour a day before mm. it's bedtime. Um, so see you in the morning. And it was, it was like the sorry, it was mm. unnecessary yeah. and it probably eroded my confidence more than anyone else mm. or it created doubt in the people's mind around me who were like, why is she telling us this? Mm. Yeah. Like we don't need to know that. Um, or that someone makes a passing comment like, oh, taking an early mark, are you Shelly? Yeah. Which used to drive me bonkers. Um, what I felt like saying is, yes, and I was here when you were still in bed this morning. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but but the impact that that had on my confidence um, is, what's the alternative? Ooh. That's, I think the alternative is to, well, that's a really good Really, really good question. I think being confident in yourself as a leader, you don't have to explain yourself to everyone in your team. Um, there's, uh, it's, if you over, in my experience, um, people will, if you over talk, I suppose, for one of the terms, people will do exactly that, you know, why is she telling us everything, he or she telling us everything about their day? It's it, uh, Often it can be, well, I've got to tell you because I've got this guilty conscience. Yes, and you just, guilty. Yeah, guilty. Just, <laughs> okay, I've got this guilty conscience. And, but you don't need to be guilty because, like, Dave and Diane might tomorrow want to, like you leave early and they'll just quite happily get up out of their desk and no one's going to question it and you won't really question it because if your team's putting in the effort you go yeah you probably deserve to actually go you know like leave early or go to your doctor's appointment or whatever mm. so um the guilt factor shouldn't come into it but it probably should come into it and um you do this well on um, your dynamic leaders um tutelage is around those expectation conversations the accountability conversations if people are leaving early then um then you really need to set expectations and and boundaries around that yeah or not leaving early with a justification um then then uh so as a leader you you your responsibility is to set those expectations on yourself and on your team and mm. set them early particularly mm. with new team members yeah uh, so yeah so so the guilt isn't there so. and and what's interesting is that you may say it because you feel guilty that you're not doing what you perceive you should have you mm. should be doing or yeah. like me it was i used to work really long hours and i was here before everyone got here and i was here and you know after everyone left um which i'm sure no one noticed mm. by the way mm. um is that the guilt that i that i would that i held from the previous version of me mm. 
but just holding that guilt probably um, gave my team a reason to question whether I was guilty of something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so your integrity yeah. is questioned even yeah. though it shouldn't be, mm-hmm. but it all comes with this little bit of a cycle, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, which is really interesting. Uh, and I and I think um, also in terms of integrity is um, where if we have a problem with someone leaving early, mm. that we also have that problem with ourselves if yeah. we're doing the same thing. Mm. Mm. So I think um, that, you know, I've, I've had conversations with leaders who do get upset about people who leave early or, or come in a little bit late and... Um, then the question is, well, have you ever done that? And then I get the, yeah, but uh, yeah. It, it's different. Mm. And um, so I say, well, does that lack integrity mm. in itself? And what is the real problem with the person coming in a little bit late or leaving a little bit early? And I think that this will become something that is more prevalent in leadership as we move forward mm. um, in that FaceTime is not, and the number of hours that we work is mm. not as important as the work that we do. Yeah. And so that um, where we are in roles where we can, um, where we're um, paid on performance, essentially. Mm. So anything that's outside of a contact center or a customer facing role where you've got to be there for, for the hours mm. is that you're paid on performance. And so if you are performing well above the average, then what's the problem with you leaving? early Mm. every day yeah Um, if you're achieving target if you're if you're exceeding expectations then it's not an issue Mm. or it shouldn't be an issue Mm. so um, it's really being able to put things into perspective um, with leaders who do have a problem with that is what is the actual problem and are you operating or acting with integrity by pursuing this as being a problem Mm because it might be something you do as well yeah that's right yeah it's it's um I I it's it's only up until recently I felt guilty about sort of leaving my desk and going for a coffee and actually talking work over a coffee. I've learnt that just because I'm not at my desk doesn't mean I'm not working. Um, there are still I think a, a lot of leaders and managers out there that see an empty chair and think well they aren't working, and I. And it's now that now that you say that, you sort of think, well, what does that sort of say about their sort of leadership style, um, and or, or management style, and that we've I like to think, well, we've entered the third decade of the twenty first century. It's not sit at your desk now and take your smoker or whatever at whatever time and your lunch at whatever time. Things have changed markedly in in you know twenty years, mm. um, and. Again, it comes back to you. Um, your staff are expecting you as a leader to to constantly develop, to constantly mm-hmm. evolve. Um, so you really need to um, learn about it because your staff expect it of you. You have such a diverse workforce mm. from um, religion to nationalities to diversity of thought um, that you've really got to try and keep up. So... Um, think the uh the sitting at your desk and the leader going oh they're where are they they've left early well no they're actually out engaging with people and actually 
doing something that needs to be done maybe because that's how they work they have the mm. relationships and get those that's how they get are they get actually get other people to do the lion's share of the work for them so yeah let him go and have that coffee and I, and I love the leadership mm. environment now that is so much more um, uh, inclusive of different ways of working because mm. I think some some of us work really well being surrounded by noise and people and the energy that that brings and for others that is that's the the most detrimental um, way for them to work they need to be locked away on their own in a room so it's not about um how do we get everybody to be the same and i think that's what's exciting about the workplace now and and definitely reason that i love leadership is there's just no one way Mm. fits all Mm. um but I'm curious about, so, and this is changing topic and you don't know this question's coming, so I'm putting you on the spot here because <laughs> I like to do that. Um, what's the best piece of advice that you have been given as a leader? I think the best piece of advice was to go and have coffee with people and have build those relationships. I was, <clears throat> I was having um, this conversation with someone uh another another leader in my organization the other day and we first met um at uh, let's go back uh, two decades ago um in in this organization and we every few years we would see each other at different work locations and he said um he, he goes richie richie <laughs> He goes, you know what I love about our relationship? And he goes, it's so low maintenance. Uh-huh. And he goes, we can see each other every few years and kick it off. And if we need something from each other at any point, we can just ask. And it's not. And, and he goes, and that's just what I love about all my low maintenance relationships. And they pay off dividends is the efforts that I put in at the start through, um, through, just respecting each other right from the very start and what we do and mm. um, and building it up at a base level. So to, to the point where like we, as I say, you just see them every few years or every few months or just on the ad hoc occasion and you can have a chat and then, but confident enough to ring up and go, what like get your opinion on something. Yeah, or I need your help or... Exactly, yeah. 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 And and I, I really, really love that. Um, uh, about uh, and probably low maintenance relationships is not the best term, but it's I how love I it. Term. You just it's just so simple, um, and uh, there's no real expectation, um, yes. except that you'll just and it, it just be uh, uh, able to sort of be, I suppose, just just be there for them. So yeah, it's yeah. That's awesome. I love that. And I have loads of low maintenance um, relationships and friendships and my circle is huge and I love it. It, There's so many ideas and thoughts and different perspectives. And what's great is when I go, when I have a problem, I go, who am I going to call? And, and I've got people, I've got enough people out there um, who can challenge me on my thinking um, I, I have a numerous people who will call me on my bullshit when I'm, you know, wallowing. I was yeah. um, had d- dinner with a 
um, friend last week and um, we were talking about the year that was, you know, last year and and at one point he stops. He goes, you realise you're complaining. Yeah. And that was all I needed. Yeah. Um, to to flip. And so, um, yeah, I love that. That's mm. awesome advice. Yeah. Low yeah. maintenance relationships. Mm. More of those in 2020. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It, it just, and, and but you're right about sort of calling it out. And again, having the courage to, the relationship is so strong yeah. that the people won't mind you calling it out. And you just go, it's not as though you'll walk away and go, oh, I'm not talking to that person ever again. <laughs> and go, and, the, and if, if you don't talk to them, the other person's probably going, oh, fantastic, they're not talking to me anymore. Or, or they don't notice yeah. it's a low maintenance Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they just go, <laughs> oh, that's right. I've just called it out because we're friends. But yeah, if yeah. I don't call it out, um, then, you, that, for example, with this friend, you would have continued on your merry way. Oh, I would have just, I would have fallen into a slump. Yeah. I needed someone to actually say that. Because sometimes we don't realise yeah. that we're doing the thing that we tell other people not to do. Yeah. Um, that it creeps up on us. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And so um, it's great to have people who um, who don't mind mm. being able to say that. And I don't think they have to be close friends. I, I think that they can yeah. be the people you see every now and then. And it's like, wow, you, you look you know really down at the moment. Or mm. what's going on with you? You, you don't seem right. It's because I haven't seen you for such a long time. Mm. Um, but that you take all of that as uh, coming from a good place and being well-intended. Yeah, that's exactly um, right. Yeah, and and yeah. that you operate with integrity yeah. by doing that. And that, and, and that's really like the, the, the big thing is that you're both on the same page from an integrity perspective. You don't have to see the world exactly perfectly and you'll have your own tweak on the definition of integrity because there's about a billion definitions of it. Mm. Um, but uh, you... I mean, you, if you're surrounding yourself with good people, um, then really those good people will um, will come to will come to your aid when you need it. Mm. So that's and that's how I've sort of gone on uh, my leadership journey as well. You just surround yourself with with good people, and good things will actually come to you. And they do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> and. And then when you have the odd friend, and we probably all have them, the, the negative friend that always just calls you, you go, well, he's my friend for a reason. Yeah. He still shares the same values as me. And you, and you just go, well, you know, it's good to call him out. A bit of practice for me for calling him out for being so negative. But they also ground me as well. You go, oh, well, yeah. not everything's rosy. So, oh. yeah. <laughs> Seeing the, the intention behind your relationships is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, so I've got one last question for you, and this is also a curly one and completely yeah. off topic. Yeah, sure. You know how I like metaphors? Yes, I know, yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> so this is your question. Yep. If leadership was a show ride, what ride would it be? Oh. What immediately sprung to mind was... Like the Mad Mouse, or what's the Mad Mouse? No, no, it's at Luna Park, or what is it? Rolling, it's a roller coaster. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I mean it's a pretty simple um, uh, metaphor, but sometimes, and I think a better one though is the Ghost Train. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about the Ghost Train. I think it's like it goes along like smoothly, so that but then something will jump out at you. And freak you out that you have to deal with, and then go right. Oh, look, that's not as bad as I think it is, and I can deal with that. 
Um, and then you sort of again go along and then something else even scarier comes along and you learn as you go through the ghost train of life, of leadership, <laughs> that you will at the other end, there will be a door opening and the light will come out and you'll get off and you go, oh, that was like a bit scary but a bit funny and you've always got a story to tell about it oh. and you always learn something from it. You either learn, don't get back on the ghost train choose another ride or you um just go i think i'll get back on that ghost train because something else is going to pop out at me and i really love that mm. it's all um something i can't control mm-hmm. but then i can control it i can learn how to control it i so love yeah, that yeah yeah so ghost train but there's others yeah it's um i love that a bit That's... more interesting than a log ride or it's it's perfect and um you know talks about the unpredictability of the environment that we're in and and what i like is you know as the longer you're on it the more the almost the less frightened you get when something pops out it's like oh it's you again yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah that's right yeah of course you've come again yeah (laughs) same unshaven bad breath guy with the bad mask yeah that I'm having to deal with. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. That is fabulous. Yeah. Richard, thank you so much for um, taking the time to yeah. hang out and talk all things um, leadership. It's really something that I'm passionate about and I know that you are too. Yeah. So I um, also want to... So for, for those listening, Richard helps me um, with my Dynamic Leaders Tutelage yeah. and has done that for the last couple of years. So I'm extremely grateful for your um, help and support and your insights and your feedback that you give me. So mm. um, really appreciate that. If you want to connect with um, Richard, you can do so on LinkedIn. Yes. Uh, and I'll put uh, Richard's link in the comments. Um, but thank you so much and um, enjoy the rest of your day. For sure. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Dynamic Leader Podcast. I hope you found some value in it. My biggest mantra in life is to pay it forward. As a leader, you have your own unique experience and this could make a huge difference to someone else. So I encourage you to tell your leadership story, your failures and your successes, along with what you've learned along the way. Let's make the leadership playground safe enough for leaders to fall and get back up again. By the way, if you have a leadership story that is worth telling, I'd love to hear from you and even have you on one of my podcasts. So drop me a note and let's have a conversation. Thanks so much for listening.